Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Jake Carls, the co-founder and chief customer officer of Midday Squares. Canada-based Midday Squares is taking the chocolate industry by storm, offering functional chocolate bars in the flavors of peanut butter, almond crunch, and fudge. Each bar is 12 grams of protein, 8 grams of fiber, is organic, gluten-free, non-GMO, vegan, and completely plant-based. Midday Squares has been described as everything a traditional chocolate bar isn't and everything a protein bar wishes it was. Jake and his team have big dreams and are aiming to reach $100 million in sales in three years after already putting an early acquisition offer by Hershey aside. Jake Carls, what's up? What's doing, everybody? I'm super jacked up right now. I have a lot of energy. It's almost like I'm on a drug, but it's just drug of life. Good vibes only. Woo! <laughs> Let's go. Shocked to see you have energy this morning. Never heard it from you. I took an adaptogen this morning, so maybe that's why. <laughs> What'd you take? I don't know. So I went to my natural health food store here. I'm like, yo, I need some good stuff. Just sauce me some stuff. And I don't even know what I'm taking, but I'm on vitamins now. I'm on the whole thing. Energy flowing. What do you what do you drink or take for workout? Black, Black coffee. Coffee. Like I'm talking like bitter coffee. If I had a Dunkin' Donuts here or Dunk, <laughs> I guess it's called Dunkin' now, I would be running full throttle on that. But I have a I have my, in my building, my condo, they give free coffee, which is the most epic, epic service you could have. But I abuse it a little bit. I take about three to five a day and I calculated <laughs> that I'm saving $250 a month. Let's go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's epic. For our listeners that don't know you, but I'm sure all of them do. Can you introduce yourself and tell us what Midday Squares is? hundred percent. So my name's Jake Carls. I'm one of the co-founders of Midday Squares. My partners are my sister and my brother-in-law. So we're a family business, but we didn't go into business because we're family. I think that's super important. We're creating the next biggest chocolate snacking company. And our first product line that we created is the functional chocolate bar. Imagine chocolate bar meets a protein bar, makes love with each other, but gets rid of all the junk that's in protein bars, the chalky taste, the artificials, the additives, all that stuff. And we focused on indulgence with function. And I think what's unique about us is we're both a manufacturer, so we self-manufacture, but we also have an entire media company within the company. So we combined two different categories into one roof. So what are the bars made out of? If there's no, no shit in them, what are they made out of? So it's all plant-based ingredients. It's clean. So it's like the source of proteins, hemp. So it comes from a very clean source. And the rest of the stuff is just clean source of ingredients. We focused on real foods. We didn't want to use any artificials, no additives, nothing like that. And I think that what we learned over time with data was that the consumer just wants something that is a clean label, but also something that makes them feel good when they have it. What we noticed in the space of bars specifically, both chocolate bars and protein bars, is a lot of the bars were either filler content or they made people feel bloated or like to have this feeling of nausea. So we've really focused on fine tuning that to make it so that it's a clean process as you're eating it. And the digestive part is very slow, but yet it actually digests well. Yeah, I think also it's brilliant about what you guys are doing is like, I used to have maybe like one square kind of midday and then one square after dinner at night. 
throwing that into like one pack, even though it's one square, even though it's very simple innovation, I think it's going to drive a lot more trial. It'll bring new consumers into the family. And I think that's a really brilliant kind of pack innovation move that you guys figured out pretty quickly by just simply listening to consumers. Three and a half years in, the number one request we had was either have a resealable pack for our two pack, because we're currently our bars are two squares in one pack. That was the number one request or move to one square. And it took us a while to realize it because we had this fear of, you know, maybe, you know, it's going to change the dynamic, all this stuff. But then as we started to be very transparent and share with our community, everyone started getting excited because what we noticed is people tend to only eat one at a time. Our consumer is that 25 to 60 year old female. And typically they're having one or half of one square per time. So what we notice is people that put the square away in the fridge or in their purse after or in their gym bag or whatever, they're actually losing the freshness aspect, which is not ideal for midday square. So the one square allows us to deliver on freshness quality at all times. And I think that's super important. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, midday squares is obviously has a consumer product at its heart, but also you guys are much more than that. You're a media company. You stand for so much as a brand and you yourself, Jake, are the most energetic person that I think Daniel and I have ever met. And I want to just like give our listeners a little bit insight into like, what is this media company that you guys are trying to create and what's kind of like the identity around it? So day one, when I joined, I really didn't want to be part of the food industry. I was throwing parties on college campuses and then selling clothing. I was having the time of my life. I didn't know how to operate the business I had previously. So it completely failed from a financial standpoint. But my brother-in-law and my sister approached me with this amazing chocolate snack. And they said, we need someone to come and build the community. And I said, you know what? The food and beverage space is completely old school playbook. It is not so fun. There's not a lot of emotional connection. You know, you see in brands, in, in industries like cosmetics or fashion, you have all these emotional connections to brands. People obsess over them. In food and beverage, I found that it's such an intimate process. It goes in your body, but yet there's no obsession or there's a there's very minimal obsession. And I said, I have the best idea. If we're going to launch this business, and this is August 2018, I said to them, we are going to become a rock band. And what that meant was instead of selling records like rock bands do, we're going to sell chocolate. And that is going to be our item of way, the way that the consumer supports us. But we're going to build fans. And the way we did that was storytelling. It was simple. Use social media as the vehicle, but let's share the good, the bad, the ugly of how we're building this business. Because if you look at Shark Tank, their ratings were on fire and that's just surface level entrepreneurship. If you looked at Keeping Up With The Kardashians show, the drama, the energy of what's going on in reality, that was on fire as well from ratings. Then if you look at someone like Elon Musk's social following, growing from being a loud founder that's outspoken, I said, we have this triangle, this tripod that we could do all those together and share the good, the bad, the ugly. And the consumer will now feel like a fan. They will feel like they're buying from a friend when they go to the grocery store and they will no longer just see a chocolate bar. And what that did was it created relatability, fan community, but most importantly, it allowed us to build an entire creative arm in the company that was focused just on creators. So editors, photographers, videographers, we have producers from TV and that has guided our marketing where it has become that our organic content has such a strong reach and the microphone that we built 
is not relying on anyone but midday squares. So we celebritize the brand by telling a great fucking story. Yeah, I think quite simply when you, I mean, I was reading this article the other day, like it was the one about you guys, like the Kardashians take Shark Tank or whatever. It was when you create an emotional connection, people want to be a part of it. And I think, you know, there's certain brands that are extremely functionally led. And I think functional benefit is obviously crucial. But the brands that are really winning and really scaling to incredible levels most commonly have both built the functional benefit within the product, but also then built an emotional connection with the brand. And I think you guys are kind of winning on that combination quite well. And I think that's the basis of your guys' success for sure. I think you need both product market fit. So like the terms of functionality, like for us, we knew that chocolate was growing like, like a behemoth in 2017. And we knew that vegan protein was on a tear as well. So when we combined those two categories, we knew there was a white space within the set of bars. Now, I think what we did was product market fit can't let, can't, you can't win with just product market fit. You could do, you could do well. You might not get the 150% growth year over year, but you might grow slowly and you might build a nice family business which is totally cool. But if you want to take over a category, if you want to grow and become this new age conglomerate or this impactful, massive business, you need that media component. And that's something mandatory for 2022 onwards is you need an ability to tell a story, build an audience and grab people's attention where you can create that emotional connection and then reinforce it with a great product. You know, this lends to a lot of what you guys are doing in the media space to build this community and build your brand beyond, you know, the chocolate bar. So you were recently on Family Feud, which was epic. The music video launched with everything about Hershey. Like for those that don't know, can you kind of talk about where the inspiration came from this music video and as it relates to what happened with Hershey? Yeah, 100%. So Last year, we were in, in discussion with Hershey's M&A team, and we're big fans of Hershey's. So let's clarify that now. We eat their products sometimes, and growing up, my partner Nick ate Reese's Pieces all the time. So I think we were in talks with them, and we had a great relationship, and they were very interested in, in, in taking Midday Squares and blowing it up. They loved what we were doing on the storytelling. They loved the innovation on the product side in chocolate, and they wanted to make an offer for purchase. And for us... We were not interested. Our core value when we started was let's build this to eat, to get, let's get it to hundred million in revenue and let's see what's next after that. And we still have a long way to get there and we're going to get there, but we have a long way. And what we did is we said, no, within two and a half months, they were totally good with everything before this. Within two and a half months, they sent us a season assist for the packaging infringements for the color orange, claiming that that they actually own the color orange and we need to change our packaging within two weeks. And that's crazy for any startup, anyone going through business, you could either choose the legal battle and fight them in court, but that would take a ton of resources, a ton of bandwidth, a ton of energy, and it could take two, three, four, five years because it could be dragged out, right? So why should we as founders focus our energy, even if we could win the case, because that was a our lawyers told us that we could win this case because it was actually almost baseless. And what happened was we ended up saying, you know what? We're going to change the packaging. We're going to still be on orange. We're going to disagree with them. We're going to go at it fully from a creative standpoint because we share our journey. We documented everything that happened from the moment of acquisition to getting the season's assist to changing the package. And we shared that with our consumer base, not to hate on Hershey's 
has nothing to do with that. It was to show our consumers and our community that this is what some businesses have to go through. This is the ugly side of business. This is what hardship is. And that's why we changed our packaging. And what ended up happening was it blew up. Our community started getting amped up, excited, fueled by our creative process, fueled by not backing away from the bully. And we ended up getting articles in BuzzFeed, Business Insider, all these things picked it up, this traditional press. And my sister at the time, she's our creative, she wanted to do like a song. She wanted to do like a music track, literally to not a music video, but a track just to say that Midday Squares is Midday Squares and we're no, and we're no one else. And like, be bold because we're fucking bold and we love content. And it was a cool idea. And what that led to was, okay, let's create this track. Let's create an epic, cool video. Sorry, song to My Name Is by Eminem, a parody. And then it was like, okay, well, why don't we put this as a diss track to Hershey's as a creative response to who they are, showing them that, sorry, that who we are, and we're, we don't want to copy you. We don't care to be you. We don't give a shit. And we're not going to fight you with dollars and legal, but we'll creatively battle you because that's how people want to see things today. They want stories. They want emotional connection. And that led to us launching this diss track, which then turned into a music video because we're like, hey, if we put so much effort into this diss track, why don't we make an MTV style music video, which we then turned into an NFT, which is coming out very, very soon. And that whole process came and it was like, Hershey's didn't have any comment for it because it blew up community-wise. Everyone's like, this company is just taking such a new way of dealing with disagreements in such a creative way that that's what they want to be part of. That's what they want to cheer on. And I hope Hershey's comes back with something creative back, a music video, a song, something, because that would show that the industry is going in the right direction, not the wrong direction. And yeah, it costed $65,000, that music video. It got hundreds of thousands of views. It stimulated our community. And people are still picking it up in the traditional press every single day, which is quite crazy because that wasn't the goal. The goal was literally to show our creativeness through a diss track. Yeah, we'll leave the, we got to leave the link in the show notes. What's the easiest way to go watch it if I was just like a random person? So it's on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. But I think YouTube's the easiest because it's just type in midday squares and you'll see it. But it's our least biggest, it's our least viewed platform. So the view, the video's there. I could share it with you guys. But yeah, go watch it and watch it on your phone because it's really epic, in my opinion. And yeah, just know that we're not rap stars. Whoever, you know, whoever's listening to this, we're not rap stars. We had to go into studio. I mean, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't no. know that. But, but we had to I go in- a rap star in my mind after seeing that music video. All are epic. Last question before we head into our favorite part of, of the podcast, Rapid Fire. You guys are obviously originally a Canadian business. I know you're a big Montreal guy. Could you talk a little bit about the challenges of bringing the business cross borders? Obviously, you've been really focused on the US. I see you traveling all over the place every weekend, meeting with buyers, meeting with various others in the industry in the US. How has that gone? What have been like kind of the struggles, the wins, the losses? What's like the deal with that? Yeah, cross-border business is hard. You know, we spent the last two and a half years building our Canadian operation. Our factories here, we ship everything from here, but we really built the awareness city by city. We kind of took the Facebook model that they did originally through college by college to expand our awareness and our trial. The problem with the U.S. was we got asked by a retailer, Air One, which is a great retailer, to come in. They were the first ever in the U.S. And we weren't ready for the U.S. We weren't ready with anything, really, like no strategy, nothing. We were actually going to wait till 2023 to go in there. 
And what ended up happening is that brought us in. And the next thing you know, you had this retailer asking this, and then D to C bit, D to C orders started going up in the US. And we didn't have our op side set up fully for it. So like from a, a freight standpoint, from a, a logistics supply side, all that. And we kind of got thrown into it. And then Sprouts came and Sprouts is like, we want you national. And we're like, okay, well, this is against actually our strategy of doing city by city or college by college type of vibe. And we got a little nervous and excited because, you know, it's a new country, it's a new vibe, and it's, it was 300 and something stores, and we took it, and that changed our strategy. So we had to start focusing on, you know, more overall marketing, not so much in depth of the triangle that we took, basically going food service first, gym second, juice bars, then natural store, then conventional. We went right into natural right off the bat, right? So we skipped a step. But I think what we learned from that and any Canadian company can learn is don't get excited about the size of the United States. It's a huge country. It's got an immense amount of consumers that have tremendous power and consumption, but it costs money to support the retailers and to support the marketing. Being a fresh product, you can't just throw pallets at a store and expect it to sell over the next two years. We have a hundred day shelf life. That gives us a a time ticker. As soon as it leaves our facility, to go sell in store and you have to go through distributors. So you have a middle person. And I think what we learned is next, if we were to do it over again, we would have chosen one city built out the same model slowly, very slowly of going to food service first, gym second, then the natural, then the conventional, and then go to another place and keep doing that city by city till we're ready for national launch. But we got thrown into it and we had no choice. So we used influencers We used organic content to start reaching the United States, which helped us. We built our following there and a ton of demoing, a ton of demoing in stores and collabing and partnering with relevant things going on in each city that has major distribution for us. Yep, that's an awesome answer. And it's definitely a battle. I think just the general market here is obviously more fragmented and competitive too. Not that Canada isn't competitive, Canada's plenty competitive, but there is a little bit more of already a better for you kind of candy chocolate movement in the market. So there is a few more kind of people on shelf you might be competing with. Obviously, congrats on the huge round led by City. Really awesome. Obviously, I think that'll help you guys fuel this expansion, make the right investments across the US in the category. And yeah, really, really grow in the US. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude, this finance round solely focused on hiring the million, what's called the million dollar management team. So we brought on a VP of operations, a CFO, a director of HR, a plant manager. We brought on a ton of executives that have been there, done that, but now using our vision to get to where they've done. So we brought in from PepsiCo, from Cisco. We brought in a lot of individuals and we're now investing in the R&D and media with this raise. So it's going to that. It's not going to growth manufacturing because that we figured out and we have high capacities and we're actually starting to build a second facility in the U.S., starting 2024. The money's going to really putting the guardrails down. This year is about the guardrails. We're gunning for about 17 million in revenue this year. That's what we're trying to get at. But it's not going to be our hockey stick year. The next, I think 2023 is going to be that hockey stick growth and that 17 to like that 40, 50 million. And I think that that's something very important is it's important to build your foundation, especially if you're doing two countries. You need a strong back end to your business. You need to have freight under control, supply chain, You need to have your manufacturing, your R&D, everything needs to be intact and ready to be ready, be ready for that rocket ship potential. Otherwise, you're going to break. The cracks will start to crack. So that's what we're focused on this year. And next year will be a full growth year. Yeah. I think the fact that you also have manufacturing in-house makes this so much easier operationally. Not that it's easy, but like 
all these brands start expanding. They're rushing to audit co-manufacturers all over the place. They're sourcing from all of these different locations where the co-mans are located. It drives so much operational complexity and then also can really have impact on margin. Let's let's transition to the rapid fire part of the podcast. Rachel, you want to kick it off? Yeah, but before we go there, one quick question is you we did mention that you guys are launching, you know, single bar, single square packaging as opposed to now, which is the two two squares in a package. What else can our listeners expect in the pipeline from midday squares that's coming soon? Oh yeah, we've got epic flavors coming. Okay. Hey, like I can tell you, we've got a cookie dough coming, a cookie dough flavor. And my our RD team has two other ones in the pipeline that are absolutely epic. I had one the other day. I was freaking the fuck out. If you like candy bars, get ready because it is nostalgic. It is delicious. It is going to outdo our peanut butter, which dominates our current sales. And we've currently reformed our current flavor. So our fudge, yeah, is being complete is completely reformed as of June 1st. It's going to taste like a brownie batter. So that's super exciting too. That's coming because that's now my favorite bar is the fudge. Yeah. And it, it, you know, a lot of the time it was about the lowest sales out of the three. So get ready for a lot of excitement this year. Pumped, pumped, pumped. All right, rapid. So we're going to throw some questions your way. You know the deal. Give us your favorite answer. Guilty pleasure. Oh, shit. Yeah, guilty pleasure. I, shit, you're killing me. Pickleball. (laughs) I love it. That's, (laughs) dude, everyone loves pickleball these days. It's crazy. Guilty pleasure, though. It's a bit sketch. It's not tennis. It's not like, you know, it's like the fastest growing sport in America right now. It's like, it's like what spike ball was for like a few years. I love spike ball too. I love spike ball too. I play a lot of spike ball. Spikeball's great. New York or LA? New York. Yeah. Cool. Favorite CPG brand right now? Besides midday. Yeah, yeah. You can't pick your brand. I like. Shit. Why is it so hard? I have so many fan. I have so many favorites in terms of entrepreneurs and brands, but I would say. My buddy from Cody, he's doing something called Twice. It's a consumer package. Good. It's a it's a dental item. I really love his toothpaste. Honestly, like I take it every day, and it makes me smile every time I look at it. So I think that feeling, that intimacy I'm getting from it, is something that's powerful for me. Love it. And lastly, trend that you're excited about in the consumer space, and that we should be. storytelling is taking a front seat right now, which is exciting. And I'm seeing a lot of brands figure out their way of authentically sharing their story. And I'm watching all the media channels and it's coming through. It's no longer about promoting product, product, product. It's going to see people promote the human aspect of business, which is something I think Midday Squares originally was one of the pioneers early on. So it's exciting to see it come to fruition, you know, at a mass level. Yeah. I think it's a great answer. I've actually, and we were talking about function and emotion. I was reflecting on a few brands that have maybe not the most function that have just been so emotionally charged. And I was thinking about Liquid Death. What they've done over the last year with their storytelling and just building the emotional connection with the consumer is incredible. And it kind of reminded me of you guys in a way. I think obviously your product just naturally is more functional. It's not water, but they've done an incredible job, I think, with the storytelling as well. Yeah, and I also think... Another one of my favorite brands, they're a bit of a bigger one, but Duncan. I really like Duncan. I can't explain why. I feel <laughs> energetic when I'm there. I feel happy. I, I they, yeah. You know what it is? It's fucking good. I love Munchkins. I love Vanilla Frost Donuts. Their coffee is great. Their and coffee their coffee is great. super good. 
And I read their book and I just like, I, I don't know. I think if you want to love, start to love people or brands, anyone that's listening to this, go read some books. You know, you'll see, you could really get in the mind of a lot of these A, corporate giants, but also just smaller folks doing things. You know, you could learn so much. And that's why I love reading is, I don't even care if it's a mass published book, just learning what people put down, you have access to it. Take advantage of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I finally finished that. Our boy James Richardson's a ramping your brand. Had to do it. J- Dr. James <laughs> Richardson, baby. Let's go. Man, where can our listeners learn more about Midday Squares? Check us out on Instagram, Midday Squares, or LinkedIn, Midday Squares. We do have a podcast called Midday Squares Uncensored, which is super exciting. It's on our website, but or Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. But that's restarting next month. We did one season for 36 episodes. It just is deep talks about how we're running this business. We literally give you the playbook we do, and we're super transparent about it. So I think that, and if you want to buy the squares, go on the website, www.middaysquares.com. There's store locators on there, or we ship on our website or Amazon. Thanks a lot, Jake. We appreciate the time. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.